Welcome back to the LED Project podcast brought to you by Lighthouse Educator Development. My name is Kyle Krieger. This is episode 144 with our friend Ryan Giffen. Now, Ryan has such a cool story. He is not himself a teacher, but he is is deeply ingrained in the educational space as a, a speaker's bureau booking agent, for lack of a better term, to where he uh, puts together great speakers with great schools and, and helps teachers get what they need in terms of professional development. So it was really fun to get a chance to speak with him and, and learn about what he does and the work he's doing and, and how he views the educational space from a little bit of an outside lens and also the fact that he was willing to tell a story about his son Eli which is such a such a powerful story we we really appreciate so if you want to check out Ryan you can find him on Instagram and Twitter as at Ryan Giffen um, if you want to find us you can find uh, us at at value adds value on Instagram and Twitter you can find us on Facebook and YouTube as a lighthouse educator development now if you're enjoying the podcast, liking it, we would love it if you would subscribe, leave us a rating, leave us a review. But uh, otherwise, sit back and enjoy episode 144. Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger. This is episode 144. I am stoked to have my new friend, Ryan Giffen, on the podcast. Ryan, what's going on? What's up, peoples? Beautiful peoples, as the Mr. Michael Bonner says. How's it going, everybody? I can't believe right. you started with a Bonner quote. Sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, you know when the funny thing is, like, oh, we're gonna see. Already, we're off script. So we saw, we saw Bonner. We were at AIE in San Dude. Antonio, and and Wilkie was on a panel with Bonner after his yes after his thing. And because I've been like, I no lie, I love Bonner. So Bonner listens. Like, I'm not trying to dog you. I like emailed him probably like March of last year about the podcast. He got back to me like in April and was like, Hey, let's do it in May. And then I heard from him again, like in August. And then, and I saw him and he was like, no man, I got you. I got you. I'll, I'll hit you up after the first of the year. I'm still waiting, Bonner. <laughs> but no man, that dude. I'll put dude, a word in for you. Dude, oh, and, and he knows like, it's so funny. Cause like, it's just like little old me, like our little podcast. And I get random e- I'll get a random email like every couple of months. He's like, bro, I haven't forgotten about you. Life's been crazy. <laughs> so Bonner's such a good dude. Such yeah, a good awesome. dude. So, Agreed. so yeah, we, we were chatting about what you do and, and your, yeah. your, uh, your, your work in the education world. So just give us a little bit of background about who you are, what you do, yeah. and how you got to where you are. Well, I mean, first off, I was just actually talking to some friends about this the other day, and I have an unquenchable thirst to make an impact in kids' lives. And from the very beginning, uh, I just kind of loved kids. Just, I've always connected well with them. Sometimes I act more like them than I, you know, you know, than anything. Uh, I was always told in school, like, you're going to be the crazy guy and stuff like that, or like you make a great youth pastor or, you know, you're going to work with kids because you act like one, you know, in high school, when you're told you act like a fifth grader, I don't know if that's a compliment, but, um, but I, you know, it was one of those things. I just loved it. And so like growing up with the community involvement that I did working with my church, working with, you know, youth camps, you know, uh, Hanukkah, I worked at KAA for one year. Uh, you know, I just, 
you know, there's just something that's energizing about influencing a kid's life and just being there that always kind of gave me passion. I had great role models in my life of great parents. And so that always kind of my, you know, focus and goal. And one of the main common things that my wife and I had in common is like, we just want to raise really healthy children. And, and, you know, we have three amazing boys. And like, to me, like that was the excitement that I was looking forward to in life was having a family, having children, being able to raise, you know, boys and, you know, or anybody, girls, boys. Um, and, uh, but we've been blessed with three boys and it's fantastic. And so I've always been drawn to work that has had impact in people's lives and, and, and in a sense of an educational platform. And so, you know, early on in my working career, I, I recruited for a university. Uh, before that, I recruited for, you know, study abroad off-campus programs because I got to partake in an awesome study abroad campus, uh, off study abroad off-campus program in Africa for a semester. Oh, wow. in and so I lived in Mozambique for three months and it was some of the most transforma transformational, you know, experiences that I ever had. And so anytime I've experienced something good, I've actually made it in my passion and life's work to help and, you know, uh, help guide along people that are working in that same field to make those same differences in those people's life. It's, it, you know, it's not the whole like giving back. It's, you know, it's not like that I took anything, but it's that it's our job really to kind of, uh, you know, be that force, be that person that's in that kid's life or that teacher's life or whatever it may be how I ended up with what I'm doing right now is really just kind of a, uh, a, you know, a, a destiny type of a thing or a, a calling, if you will. And I, you know, uh, had a, a friend that was working in the, the speaker bureau industry um, and, you know, kind of said, Hey, you'd be a good fit with us and to come and book some dates for speakers. And I had no clue what a speakers bureau was. And I was like, I don't even know what you do, man, but you talk to cool people and you do cool things and why not? And I, and I started doing it and I started to learn like that, you know, in the world that I work in day and night is the K-12 education world uh, and universities. And so what I've done though, and as a part of that is I've really taken it upon my own mission to really invest heavily and to be submersed into that K-12 education realm. And that is a fantastic world, almost like a, a fantasy novel world of unexplainable characters and creatures and storylines that you have no, you know what I'm saying? Like education is kind of like a J.R.L. Tolkien, you know, book with all these different crazy worlds and realms and characters and how it works and how the, you know, everything, how it works. And so I just kind of started to, uh, attached that. Well, my wife is a K is a uh, public school teacher uh, by training, and she worked as a public school educator. Uh, my my mother was going to school as a public school as a teacher. My grandmother was a public school teacher who taught for like thirty years music education. Uh, you know, and I've got so much family on like just like the fringes of my life that are involved in education. But uh, you know, I'm not. I guess someone told me that, you know, I told them, I was like, I'm not a good teacher. And they was like, we're just not teaching the right things. Like everybody's a good teacher, which I thought was right. like, Oh, okay. That's right. a great, that's a great point. Right. Right. But, uh, but what I've, I've kind of realized what I love to do is I love to, and when I come, come up behind and I support and, and give services and, and I give 
um, encouragement and I bring uh, value to some of these uh, personalities that are in the world that are going out and doing professional development, that are going out and speaking at these uh, events or conferences. Uh, me being that person that represents them to some of these organizations brings me extreme pride and passion and commitment to, you know, I'm doing my part to help spread their message, which is right. empowering teachers, administrators, and all these people. At the same time, I love talking with the principals and the directors of curriculum and development and right. the superintendents and they're calling me and saying like, like, this isn't my job, but I need to book a speaker. You know, like I've been told I need to find this year's speaker to me. That's fantastic. I love doing that because I get to then almost like alleviate week for them and say, all right, here's some of the best speakers. Here's people are going to hit your themes and values. And so as a long answer, and you're going to get a lot of these long answers from me, but I, I I'm a, a speaker agent representative. We work with, uh, schools and conferences and districts on finding their speakers for their uh, events. Uh, and then I also represent and help kind of guide some of the uh, brands and uh, speaking careers of some of these educators that are, uh, you know, trying to spread their message and their voices throughout the country and throughout the world, really. So, mm. yeah, yeah, that's a, you know, I love that <laughs> point. I, there's a question I want to come back to, but I do love the point yeah. that you say that everybody can teach something. Mm. if you find where you're good at but just sure. you came back to or you, you said that you know you got you came from a really good family life and that's yeah. something that that we have in common and especially over the last couple of years doing this podcast and, and you know teaching in Houston eight years I realized that that's not the norm right that that, that the way we grew up so do you as a part of your mission do you do you feel like you sort of have and I'm trying to think of the way I phrase it because obviously like I'm a white male in America who comes from a good right. family who's able-bodied. Like I have all the advantages in the world. Right. Do you feel like, do you feel like you feel a responsibility more now because you have all those things to, to share what you have, not in terms of like monetary, but really like share your gifts. Cause that's something I've really, thought about a lot the last couple of years is just like, how do I help kids, whether it's teaching or what we do experience just a, a fraction of, of how lucky that I was. Well, I think, man, that, that's a, that, I mean, you're getting to some deep stuff there because, you know, um, at any moment, uh, a really solid family life can fall apart. Right. At any moment, some tragic tragedy can happen in a, you know, a white male, you know, two, two parent family home. Right. And so, you know, wh wherever you are in life and, and I'm kind of going to the point of the responsibility and um, I mean, I guess I could agree with you a little bit on that. There is a responsibility or that, that there is um, there's been given opportunities to me and that right. if I don't seize those opportunities, then it's been a waste. And so uh, for much is given, much is received, or sorry, for much is received, much is given is a principle that I like to live by. And so, yeah, I think that there's some parts of me of like, hey, I've been given some security. I've been given some access to resources. I've been given access to free love, you know, because honestly, one of the most valuable resources in our, in our society right now is love. And people are paying for it. People are selling themselves for it. People are, you know, taking, you know, you know, uh, 
loans out on their life and on their soul and on their emotions for love. And it's something that we have to really kind of realize that, you know, we were given free love. Some people didn't get that. And when you receive that free love, then you have a deposit, right? You have that, you have that investment of free love and what, what bank would just sit on piles and piles of investments of equity and and not put it back into the community, try to increase its growth. Right. So it's the same thing. So yeah, sure. We have responsibility. Right. But at the same time, I mean, here's the challenge in, in the world that I, I work in, and we, cause you know, we see tragedy every day and we kind of see the unresolved tragedy uh, in education per se, cause you see that third grader who's not getting meals at home or the fifth grader whose parents, you know, are divorced and he doesn't know where he's sleeping that night. And you kind of see some of these unresolved tragedies. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a beautiful perspective that I get to see every day. I get to see people that come into our office as a speakers bureau and uh, I, I see daily. And I almost see this 10 to 15, 20 times a day by people reaching out to us for representation for their speaking stuff or support in their speaking world of people that have overcome some of these obstacles. And so I get to kind of see this um, completed transformation or this completed uh, life cycle of this person lost a leg in combat or this person, you know, was abused as a, a child and, you know, was raped or, you know, overcame these incredible uh, circumstances. And so I'm surrounded by this, um, this almost notion of there's so much hope in the world. We're just not tapping into it correctly. Yeah. Okay. And that's a, that's a deep, deep place. And if you can really kind of figure out how can I tap into this, really this, abundant hope that is under the surface in so much of our school systems and our society. If I can figure out how to tap into that hope uh, and and that can be through inspiration, that can be through connecting people to other people's stories that are like theirs or just being a constant source of a smile in the, in, in the school, you know, like, yeah, there's some responsibility. And so I see some of these people and, and whether you're, african-american or asian-american or your lgbt or whatever circumstances you have against you uh you know responsibility i think we all have responsibility you know and i think we all have to stand up for what is we know the the ultimate thing which is doing what's best for kids on a daily basis and and with it's kind of like being in battle right we have this one speaker who was um his name's Kenny Thomas, and he was in the Black Hawk Down mission in Mogadishu. And um, he, he kind of talks about, you know, uh, when he co- goes and speaks to teachers, he talks about, like, he, he was on the battlefield of, like, true warfare. Uh, mm-hmm. But and when he goes and talks to students or teachers, he says, you're on a different battlefield. You know, your battlefield are, are students' lives on a daily basis, and you're fighting for them every single day. Right. And so we all have that. We all have guns in our hands of education and knowledge and relationships uh, of these weapons that we can use to kind of combat against the evil forces that are against us. But, you know, we all have that potential and abilities as educators to really be that, you know, that army that eventually you know, conquers this, you know, evil force of ignorance and intolerance and, you know, inability to access and all those different things that we kind of come up against in our, in our, uh, in our society right now. 
Yeah, you know, and the crazy thing you say about hope, did you hear about the girl in Wisconsin that was lost for three months and they just found her? No. So, so there was a girl who was, there was a girl who was kidnapped in, in Barron, Wisconsin, which is literally 15, 15 minutes from where I grew up and Mm -hmm. she was missing 88 days and somehow she broke out. And, and I mean, and this is like remote Wisconsin, like probably you would have to go a good distance to find the next house. She broke out and a, a lady happened to be walking her dog out on the street and the girl ran up and was like, Hey, I'm, I'm Jamie. Right. Like right. Th- this person killed my parents and kidnapped me. And they were able to like go to the next house up, call the police. The police picked the guy up like five minutes later. And it was just like every, everyone around our town. Cause it's like, you know, a girl's missing three months and you, you start to lose that hope. But then, yeah. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden you get that, that glimmer. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at you. You were talking about your, your family journey and that stuff. Could you talk yeah. a little bit about yeah. the, the journey of your son, Eli? Cause I, I'm really yeah. interested to hear that story. Um, Eli Fenton Giffen is his name. And uh, so Eli was born deaf in one ear. Uh, but had uh, full hearing in his uh, right ear, but was fully deaf in his left ear. And even from the very beginning of pregnancy stages, they were kind of like doing your blood work and they're saying, hey, these, you know, some of the numbers are off. You know, there could be a lot of things that are wrong with pregnancy and stuff like that. And, and you know, it was kind of tough news to get, you know, early, that early on because you have no clue what it is. And, you know, he was born, you know, he's born, he looked perfect. They, you know, we were, they were kind of saying he, he could be Down syndrome, he could have uh, various different types of autoimmune disease, you know, all different types of things. They just couldn't know, but they knew that the levels were off. Well, he's born, he's beautiful, he's amazing, just a perfect looking uh, child um, uh, to our standards. And so, you know, the first two days in the hospital were fantastic. It was like, it was, a, you know, a miracle and it was, it was great. Well, we go to check out the hospital and they're like, oh yeah, one last thing, we just got to do the hearing tests. And so you put your baby in the, I don't know if you have kids or not, but yeah. you're, you're about, you said you're about to get married. So yeah. yeah. So one, one day you'll, maybe you'll experience yep. I, don't I know. hope. I so hope. they'll they'll side they'll 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 blindside you right at the very end, and they'll say, "Oh, we got to do a hearing test for your baby." And so they we put them in the car seat because they have to be really still and asleep, and they put these little things in their ears, and they test the you know the um, responsing the response of the uh, eardrums to the brain waves. All, all, it's crazy, whatever the technology is. Well, they were like, "Well, you know, it was a C-section baby, so maybe." one ear is clogged up. We're not getting any reading one ear. We go back the second week and they're like, yeah, we need to start talking uh, to audiologists. And we're kind of like, man, what's happened? Like all of a sudden we go from a, you know, perfect baby to, you know, what's going on. And from there kind of went on a three and a half to four year journey of us really not understanding why Eli was deaf in one ear and why Eli had hearing in the other ear and what that meant for him in his life and just everybody telling us you know hey a lot of people have been extremely successful in life with one ear hearing and that was kind of what we're doing it was it's hard as parents to kind of hear that that your child will probably have to grow up in a completely different world than everybody else uh so that was a trying time as parents to kind of you know you you have to mourn your child's hearing loss in a way which is strange we had we realized that we had to do that we had to like let go of that loss that we have or that different life that he was going to live. Uh, we always knew that something great was going to happen from it. And we had no doubt in our minds that we had complete faith that it was going to be, you know, going to turn out. Okay. Well, you know, 
his hundred or his 50 words at one years old was clear as day. He could talk and he was comprehending and everything was moving along. You know, we then got pregnant again and had our, our third child. Um, and, uh, you know, we just started noticing him not paying attention. We're like, oh, that must be the terrible twos, just not responding to us. And, you know, next thing leads to another is that the doctor says, hey, look, we think he's losing hearing in his other ear. Uh, which is not good. And we need to try to figure out why. And so we ran a series of tests. Well, it ended up that he had lost about 80% of his hearing in his good ear. And so he was now only hearing at about 20% uh, total uh, on one side and zero, which kind of put us into a cycle of now we were eligible for cochlear implants. And um, that was a very scary time of our life that we had to kind of make some really life-changing decisions for our child. Uh, you know, without his input, without his, you know, say so or anything, it, it was extremely uh, stressful times. Like, am, are we making the right decision for our child? Do we want to, you know, go through the very uh, violent surge? I mean, I say violent, but it, it's kind of a, an invasive, violent surgery of cochlear implants. Like, not to get into too much detail, but there's drilling in the skull, and I, that may be too much mm-hmm. for some of you viewers out no. there. I don't want to, no, 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 it's all good. Off. Because I said that, I'm so sorry. But like, it, it's real. And do not Google search cochlear implant surgeries the night before your first cochlear implant surgery for your four and a half year old son. That is a bad idea to do. So obviously, we did that, and we were like, ah! we were petrified going into it. But we knew that this was the right plan and stage for him, and he he went through that, and he is now. I uh, just turned seven years old um, uh, in January, just a couple weeks ago. And he, man, that kid is developing speech and language and comprehension and doing math. And uh, he's doing a really great, uh, a great um, a blend uh, program of both sign language, because that's kind of how we originally learned how to communicate and speech as well, which is kind of a halfway in between the deaf community and the verbal community it's strange and there's very few people who do both sign and verbal and uh we've kind of chosen that that would be our path and it is so he he has a sign language he's in kindergarten now and he's killing it and like he is a ball of joy he's hilarious um and it's so funny because he's extremely visual and everything he's done because most of his life he had hearing impairments and so his brain really did kind of absorb and learn from visual uh, stimulation, right? right? And so, but that kid will watch um, a show or a movie. Or for instance, we just watched Mary Poppins the other day. The new Mary Poppins? Well, we did watch the new Mary Poppins, but we first, before we did that, we went ahead and watched the original Mary Poppins first. So we had to go for the first did he like the first one or the second one better? I mean, dude, and The Greatest Showman was like one of his favorite movies of all time and all this stuff. Like this right. kid, like he'll watch a dance scene and he'll get up in the middle of it. And by the time the song's over, he's doing like the dances with these people because he's just visually able to learn and process at a different level than we could have ever imagined, right? And so there's these really cool aspects up to it. Like he's going to have a list. He's going to sound like he's hearing impaired for the rest of his life. And if you've ever been around for something like that, and, and, and it's different. And it's kind of a challenge in life sometimes that, you know, someone's always going to be noticing that or maybe even sometimes uh, inappropriately judging based on that, right? right? But he has so many of these skills that are just 
outside of our comprehension of how he develops. And so his, his journey really has kind of taught us that you really, no matter what limitations that are put in front of you, whether they're limitations that you had control over, let's say there may be mistakes, or let's say they're limitations you had zero control over, you know, just the way your life was thrown at you. And you can do that regardless of all the circumstances. Uh, there is a power and a will in every person that they will persevere past that to grow and to learn just like every other every other kindergartner that he has in his class so like when they were like saying hey Eli's math assignment and which was like oh math like are you serious like we would never have dreamed two and a half years ago that Eli was doing math Right. Like, let alone, like, we just want him to say one intelligible word. Like that was kind of our focus. And I don't mean that as a joke, but like there was a time where it was like, he had lost all of his language and just didn't have a need to say it because he never heard it. And so the, the, the leaps and bounds that he's come from this has really kind of taught us that man, really through any adversity that comes at us in life. Um, if you've got proper support, if you've got the education system, which we have an incredible education system that we're just, gangbusters for here in our area uh, and a, a team of teachers that have just kind of you know put a you know circled the wagons around him almost educationally right. and, and emotionally uh, and stuff you know we've kind of seen the evidence of when you put these proper resources around someone like some of the most amazing things uh, are can be accomplished and you know the unfortunate thing is like not everybody has those resources not everybody has those opportunities right to do that. And so it kind of gives us passion to say, okay, what, what can I do to enable those people out there that need those resources or need that motivation to make the decisions uh, to have those resources? So yeah, that's a little bit about Eli. Dude, that's, it's amazing. But you yeah. know, you're from the, so just, you know, at the end, you, you talk about how you have a, a supportive school there in Nashville that is, you know, really rallying the truth. But then you also said too, that there are a lot of places like obviously the situation in LA right now, the first day of the LA strike. I mean, that's yeah. a, not a great situation at all, but, not at all. um, but as a branding marketing guy, when you see how great education is, not just where you are, but you, I mean, you see it all over the country, right? You see what great teachers are doing. Mm -hmm. What, why does it seem like, there's such a negative branding and PR for education. Like if, if you had the chance to like create a marketing and branding campaign to show what teachers, who we really are and what we really do, what would it be? It's a great question because I think it's extremely complex and you know, as an out, I, I mean, some people would consider me an outsider and that's fine if you do, like I don't consider myself as an outsider but right. as someone that doesn't have a teaching degree, someone that doesn't, you know, is not employed by a school district or, or anything like that. What I can say is that you can only be responsible for what you do yourself. Okay. So we can sit here and complain all day about the legislation. We can sit here all day and talk about how my community doesn't put the right monies into the school. We can sit here and talk about how my leadership doesn't invest the right monies into the right programs that we need to. Look, schools are funded. Schools, some schools are funded better than others. The schools are funded. Uh, leadership is a key. And I think that that's huge um, on how, who we put in those positions. Look, I, I've, I've worked with some really horrible leaders. I hope they're not oh, watching. Yeah. They don't know who I am, right? And I've been like, wow, 
that person's in a district like holy cow like like spell check bro like we gotta we gotta work on this on emails so but it, you know like there, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that i think we can point fingers at uh here's here's the thing i would challenge educators to do if you don't like the world that you live in you're the only thing that you're responsible or have the power to do is changing what you do uh, I'd like the people to kind of inspect uh, how they talk about their profession, the kind of uh, uh, language that sometimes we, we call tongue in cheek um, about how horrible ed teaching is. Oh, two weeks. I've got 64 days until summer break. Like, man, like if I talked about how much I hated my work and how excited I was to go on vacation and I just dogged it every day and I had a countdown list on my window of my office door of when I was going to leave, you know, like just, there's just some things. I think that can be fun. And I think if you do it in the right sense and the right, you know, you know, you can structure it well, where it's right. a celebration, that's great. I'm sorry. But in the world of that, I, uh, that I kind of been living in and Instagram and Twitter, it's not all positive, right? So sometimes we kind of have to start to choose, okay, am I going to talk negatively about how bad I don't want to go back to school or uh, snow, you know, whatever, like you, you have to start choosing to kind of change the, the, the narrative around the job that you do. And, and once you start changing that, and if we can increase positivity and a positive output from our educators that are teaching our children by 15, 20%. Imagine the, 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 the reverberations that are the, the, the vibrations that will make in the, the world right. of, you know, what impact that's going to make. Um, you know, I definitely think that there's a place like there's uh, just a, a gal who, Oh gosh, what was her name? Uh, that she just got elected. The, uh, in I think it was Connecticut, uh, the educator who just got elected to Congress uh, Jahea, um, anyway, like she basically kind of said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm a national American, a national teacher of the year. I'm going to take what I'm doing to Washington. Like, sure. There's places for that. That's not everybody's calling. Right. So, right. um, man, how do we change that? Man, you start changing the way you talk about your job. You start talking, changing the way you talk about your students. You start changing the way that you're, you're, you're doing that. Like, if I'm trying to hire people into my company, I'm not going to be like, Hey man, I got like two weeks until I'm on vacation and I'm screw this place. Like I'm not going to talk like that. Like education is different than the out, out the world, but like the way we talk about things is heard the same in the outside world that, you know, that we, when we talk out, uh, you know, to the, uh, to the real world or whatever people call it, or the outside world. When we talk negatively about education, oh man, that just like, just sets us back, sets us back. And if you can just kind of say, I'm going to only say positive things about my students. I'm going to only say positive things about, you know, getting ready to go on summer vacation. I'm only going to say positive things about getting ready to go back to school in August. Then there's, I think there's going to be kind of like this shift of, okay, what is this? It's going to attract new people. It's going to attract young people. I mean, your students in the classroom see it too. Like the students yeah. in the school see it. And do that. You know what? That, that impression that it leaves on them, like my, okay, our youngest, who is one year younger than Eli, 
He's five. And he said the other day, he's like, I don't like school. He's in the early childhood program. And dude, they like play kitchen and play with blocks every day. Like, I mean, and sure, they do some educational stuff. Like, I'm totally. But you know, but like, like, it was something he heard that he regurgitated. And now like, he's like, I don't go to school. Like you love your school, you love your teacher and blah, blah. And he's, and like, after I have to convince him and remind him how awesome he loves going to school, he's like, yeah, I love school. I can't wait. Okay. I'll go to bed. You know, it's like one of those things, like these kids hear it and they hear it all day. And some of these high school students hear it. Uh, and then they take that and that's not the kind of teachers you're wanting to train in their kind of final years as they're deciding to go into the profession. Like, no yeah. way. Yeah. You know, like, and that's, that's uh, we were, yeah. we were talking about Bonner earlier. Um, yeah. that, that, uh, that panel that he was on with Wilkie, there were a bunch of like high school kids there that were going mm-hmm. into the profession and they were talking about, you know, just that same thing. Like, how do we overcome the negativity? I mean, and, and Wilkie always says like the best way to recruit teachers into the profession is to be a really great teacher and make kids love it. I yeah. mean, cause yeah. like I said, if, if the teachers are complaining all the time, like why would you want to go into that profession? Yeah. Like, why would you 100%. go into a profession that sounds terrible? <laughs> exactly. Cause I mean, you can ask, you can ask probably eight, 80%, I don't know, I'm not going to say statistics, these are all made up stats, but like a large majority, not all of them. No, but yeah, <laughs> I get what you're saying. People that get into education is because they had an influential teacher. They right. had that teacher that they were like, I want to be like him or her. And that's why I want to be a teacher. If we had, if we doubled the amount of teachers that that, that or just the just the mindset of some of these teachers, you know, screw the teaching skills. Like the, you know, some of them had horrible teaching skills. Some of them had awesome teaching skills, but just the mindset, if you can, if you can just shift that by 10, 15, 20%, we're not going to have a teacher shortage in 10 well, you, years. You know, the crazy thing is though, too, like teaching skills are, I mean, like you can teach someone teaching skills, but like you said, to have a positive attitude and mindset and to be able to like build relationships. That's a decision. Oh yeah, 100%. Like I grew up in Wisconsin. I went to college in Minnesota and my first teaching job was teaching Texas history. So (laughs) so I had to learn Texas history as I went. So it's like, and I, I wasn't happy about it, but I did it, you know? So um, as someone that has taken many years of Texas history, I'm sure you did well. (laughs) Dude, I mean, you want me to say the Texas pledge or, uh, Sing deep in the heart of Texas, you know, all those things. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, so talking about in what you do to, you talk about wanting to advocate for teachers. So when you, when yeah. you say you advocate for teachers, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, man. I mean, honestly, it's kind of become my passion to, um, you know, what I, what I love to do is give some of these teachers the margin in their day to stay focused on the classroom, to stay focused on their true passions, right. uh, but also pursue the career of branding and speaking and uh, writing books. Um, you know, some, some of the people that come, you know, that I've developed relationships with are extremely, I mean, bright individuals and have some of the most incredible things to share with other people. And, and I see that on a daily basis. And so 
the what I really see is that the services that we provide to them and the kind of the the sometimes the breath of fresh air from an outside world of someone that supports them and loves on them right. and says, man, you know, you're you're in a tough job and you're literally deciding between prepping a keynote that you have to give next week or grading, you know, third grade math level, te- you know, math assignments. And that's a tough world to live in, you know, right. like you gotta, the, those are tough decisions because kind of part of you is like, I just rather work on that keynote. But you know, the, the internal passion in these teachers are like, I, I you know, I'm committed to my job and I'm committed to right. being the best teacher I can be. And so we give these teachers these margins to really kind of, continue their passions and what brought them to where they're at, which is their incredible pedagogy, which is their incredible ability at being teachers and making relationships and, and being a voice for other people. And so to me, every day that I can do something for one of those um, people, uh, just kind of said, I'm, I'm giving those students 10, 15 more minutes of their teacher's time back to them that they may not have had. And so that's really the mindset that I try to look at it in. And then on the flip side, man, and you know, we, cause it's a weird world that I work in, you know, we're also helping that principal not spend a week and a half trying to find professional development, you know, uh, personnel and speakers and stuff like that. And um, if I can turn a, a job that a committee gave to you into a one day job, instead of a two to three week process and 10 committee meetings and, you know, all the crazy stuff, you know, if I can, if I can reduce that down really quick and still give you quality, uh, uh, awesome people to come and speak to you and that stuff, like it kind of, it's weird how much I love it because it's just a job. Like I'm a, I book dates, bro. Like I don't, it's not that complicated, but the, the cool part about it is that I love doing it. I see the value in it and I, I kind of grow what I do based on that value that I know I have for them. So, yeah. Oh man. I think that is a perfect way to end this up. So if people want to connect with you and, and learn more about you, the work you're doing, you know, and, and even if they're interested in, you know, becoming a speaker and all that stuff, what's the best way for them? Yeah. You. Man, I tell you what, I, I, I try to live on Twitter. I'm at, at Ryan Giffen. Uh, it's at R-Y-A-N-G-I-F-F-E-N. Uh, you can also check our website out. It's premierspeakers.com. Uh, my education sector is one of many different sectors that our agency represents. So actually go to uh, put this one up there, premierclassroom.com. It goes directly to our education site. Uh, which are kind of features some of the speakers that we represent and that we put out there. So, but yeah, man, if anybody ever has questions about, you know, speaking or wanting to book speakers, man, I tell you what, it's just one of the things I love doing the most because I know you guys, uh, educators out there, you guys are the ones changing the world or helping the people change the world uh, that are going to change our world for the next, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. So whatever I can do to help, I love it. All right, buddy. Well, Hey, appreciate the time and the conversation. And we, uh, Hope to get you back on the podcast again soon, man. I love it. I love it.